Do you feel like you're the only young person who cares about your Catholic faith? Do you look around at mass and only see silver foxes? We're Jake and Kathy, a young adult married couple, and we're here to tell you, you're not alone. That's why it's time to get Truth Pops. You're going to get a podcast designed specifically for you, a young adult Catholic in a pop culture world. The countdown is on for Truth Pop. We'll connect Christ into culture. Welcome, everybody, to episode 57 of Disney Plus Reviews. I'm Phil Souza, and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Grant Darksaber Youngsma. How's it going, Grant? Wonderful, Phil. What a great episode. We have a lot to talk about. This is I've been maybe more hyped to, uh, to talk about this, the content of this episode than maybe any episode of, of uh, Disney Plus Reviews, possibly. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's way up there. Uh, to help us talk about it, we have a returning guest this week from the PB&J podcast. It's Jake Dark Trooper Wilburn. How's it going, Jake? Well, uh, hello, Phil, but actually, I'm a droid. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess with that, I should give, give a, a warning on spoilers here. So um, if you are just joining us for this podcast, if this is your first, epi- uh, first ever episode because you just love Mandalorian and you've been looking to he- hear some... For a great podcast. Yeah, like ours. Um, and you've been looking for a place to just hear nerds, Star Wars fans talk about Mandalorian. You have definitely arrived in the right place. Uh, but at this point, I'm going to tell you, you darn sure better have watched the season finale before even listening to this, because uh, we're about to, here in like less than 30 seconds, we're going to jump into spoilers. Uh, even as we cover the news segment, I, I feel like it's going to come up even as we talk about the news. And so if you have not watched the season two finale of The Mandalorian, uh, I highly recommend you hit pause, turn this off, go watch the season finale, and then come back. Uh, even if you normally were like, ah, I don't care about spoilers, I'm still telling you, you you definitely need to watch this one before hearing us talk about it because I, I think the impact of the episode is really going to be lost on you if if you have it spoiled. So um, so hit hit stop now. Um, do not continue. Do not pass go, and then come back and listen to this. Uh, we are going to cover some news first, but like I said, I think there's going to be some some mild spoilers in there as well. So. Um, we have been covering every episode of The Mandalorian, so if this is your first ever episode, go back and listen to those. Uh, both Grant and Jake and I have talked about uh, the season as it's progressed, and so you'll want to go back and listen to those as well. Uh, but before we get into Mandalorian, I know everyone's like hot on the heels of the, watching this episode, and we can't wait to talk about it, but I do like to start out with just kind of news of the week. Um, when I looked at to see what was new, uh, in the way of Disney news this week. I didn't see a whole lot that was out there. There's a couple small announcements that they had, but um, I thought we'd maybe, since we got Jake on the program this week, kind of get his thoughts on some of the upcoming Star Wars and just general Disney announcements. <clears throat> he wasn't able to chime in on that last week. So Grant and I had, a, and Caitlin had a good discussion on it last week, but um, Jake, what are your, I mean, they announced like 40 or 50 things in four hours. What, what did you kind of walk away with some of the stuff you're the most hyped about? 
Yeah, so uh, pretty amazing all the stuff that they have been dropping. And uh, I love it that it's all kind of the most of it is episodic on Disney Plus. What uh, this may surprise you, but what I'm actually the most interested to see is uh, the Rangers of the New Republic. Mm. That uh, we've gotten a little bit of a glimpse of what the New Republic is like in The Mandalorian, but I mean, just a tiny, tiny bit. And then, of course, in the sequel trilogy itself in episode seven, essentially, they all get blown up at the same time in the middle of the first movie. And so uh, even going back to, you know, when it was just the original trilogy, even as a kid, I was like, I wonder what happens next. Like, how does, you know, and, you know, obviously from my other podcast, uh, I'm like a government structure kind of guy. And so I'm always like, OK, the Empire's gone. So does Leia just kind of start building up the Senate? Like what? So I, I, I know that's kind of nerdy, but uh, I'm kind of excited for that one. Cause that's the one that uh, I'm not really seeing anybody else hyped up or excited about. Like it's kind of got uh, lost in the shuffle to some of the bigger ones, like uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Ahsoka, which of course I'm uh, super excited for very curious about the Obi-Wan Kenobi thing. Uh, the news of course, that Hayden Christensen is going to be putting back on the Vader suit, which uh, is awesome. I, I love, uh, I'm a big Anakin Skywalker. I'm not a, I'm not a Hayden hater. So that's <laughs> super cool. I'm, I'm down with that. Can always live with more Ahsoka. Uh, and then of course, spoiler, uh, at the end of this episode, uh, some kind of Boba Fett, uh, series is in the book of Boba Fett, I think is what it was called was announced at the end of this. So not sure uh, how close that's going to stick to the Mandalorian, but I, I expect it to fill in the gap of how Boba Fett survived the Sarlacc pit and, you know, uh, what he's kind of been up to in that time frame, And then of course him, you know, running the criminal underworld as it would seem. So there's a, what, do you, what, what, do what I, that, what do you think that show is as far? I mean, like it is a separate show. It's not, it has nothing to do with the Mandalorian, right? Like, well, I, you know, I don't know. And there's some people that I've heard saying that uh, instead, especially now that, uh, again, spoilers, now yeah. that uh, Grogu <laughs> has been taken, you know, and is no longer with Mando, and he was kind of the main draw of the show, that essentially the book of Boba Fett might be the Mandalorian season three, as opposed to just continuing on, you know, uh, with Din Djarin being the main character because Grogu being gone does, I mean, it really changes the dynamic of the show significantly. Uh, and what they wanted the Mandalorian to be was the Iron Man of the star Wars, Disney plus verse. Uh, and, and it has, and it succeeded in, in doing that. And even in this episode, when I mentioned the Rangers of the new Republic, uh, kind of watching the four uh, female characters make their way through the hallway, which was awesome. Yeah. I kind of got a hint of that going, okay, this might, this kind of a thing might be where we're going uh, with the Rangers of uh, with the new Republic where you get these, you know, teams of characters together doing stuff. But uh, I, you know, Phil, I just love star star Wars, even, even the star Wars that, you know, episode two, the last Jedi, like to me, it's all star Wars. It's all, yeah. uh, you know, some, some is better than others, but the fact that when Disney plus was oh, star Wars fatigue and we're kind of taking a break, I'm like, no, come on, <laughs> just get your stuff together and put it out. And I was, I was super excited. Rogue squadron is another one I'm looking forward to because I was a big fan of the, uh, the video games when they came out. So, 
Um, all really good stuff. Yeah, I as I've kind of chewed more on the Star Wars announcements, now that we've had kind of a week to kind of let it sift in our minds, I, I, the thing I keep coming back to is how versatile all the stories are. Like, because um, I've, I've heard some people like, oh, Star Wars fatigue. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, if it was all Jedi stuff, yes. I mean, at 10, Je- we don't need 10 Jedi shows. Um, but this right. is like different time periods. Some are animated, some are live action. We're seeing good guy shows and bad guy shows. Like I'm assuming Boba Fett is, is probably not him doing hero stuff. It's probably him doing underworld stuff. Um, so like, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like we're getting a pretty wide uh, swath of, of different offerings from Star Wars. So I, I'm pretty excited about it. And it's not coming, like people are like freaking out because it's like, oh no, 10 shows in the next couple of years. Like, no, this is going to be like a half decade of, of content. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's going to take a while to get all this stuff out so yeah there's i don't think there's going to be much new announced from this point like they pretty yeah. much gave a very very wide and long roadmap for many years to come yeah so so long and so wide it's to me it seemed like you guys don't have to do this like you don't have to tell us everything you're working on for the next five years so like some of these shows won't even be finished being probably being written for a couple of years. Like some of these are way, way far out. And I know that's what Marvel has done. Like they've done like, here's everything in phase three and it's coming out over the next five years. It's like, okay, that's great. But like, I mean, I'm not going to see some of these shows for years and years <laughs> to come. Like I, you know, it's some, sometimes it seems a little too far, uh, far reaching, but um, it, it was exciting though. I, I think for anyone that's grown up as a star Wars fan, it's, it's cool. Cause I mean, we went, between episode six, the return of the Jedi and episode one, there was what, like, was it 16 years or 15 or 16 years, something like that. Maybe 14. Yeah, because I I return of the Jedi, it came out in 83. Yeah, 83. And then, and then uh, Phantom Menace was 99. 99. Yeah. So 16 yep. years. I mean, that's think about that. That's 16 years of zero. Like, I mean, there might have been like, I don't know if there was like an animated thing in there somewhere or whatever. Like, I mean, nothing can probably uh, nowadays, but um, 16 no. years of nothing. So, yeah, the closest thing we got was, uh, you know, the Thrawn trilogy of books and the yeah. like Shadows of the Empire uh, book and, and video game and, and games. Whatnot. But, yeah. Yeah. There are some games and stuff, but. Yeah, and I would say the thing that surprisingly uh, I'm least looking forward to is the Bad Batch. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you know, I, as you know, I love the Clone Wars and Rebels and the animated stuff. Um, but I mean, we've we've had a a lot of opportunities to explore, you know, uh, the personalities and the adventures of of different clone troopers and kind of what they what they're going through and you know, what, what are they thinking under the helmet? You know? Uh, and I just, I don't know. And I, maybe it's cause I'm watching the clone wars over again right now, but I'm just kind of like, I'm, I'm ready for, you know, a new taste, I guess. And that's probably the, I'll still watch it and it's going to be great, but I would say that it probably ranks last on my list. Yeah. I, I would say Bad Batch for me is maybe somewhere in the middle. There, there's actually a couple that we just don't know anything about. And so my high level for those are, are pretty low. But um, I mean, I'll get excited once we finally see a trailer or something. But um, I, I really liked the Bad Batch characters. Um, and so um, I, I think I'm with you in, in the fact that I don't expect that story to be like jaw dropping. Like it's, it's not going to be, I mean, 
like what we just watched Mandalorian season two finale. Like, I don't think we're going to see anything like that in bad batch. So in that sense, it's, it's a low expectation for me, but I do love yeah. those characters and like just being in that world with those guys and seeing what they did, like after order, um, order 66 and, and, uh, and all that, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what they do and Filoni's behind it. So I'm, I'm always excited about anything he produces. So yeah, there's, then, there's a uh, time to watch. The the last one that I'll comment on is yeah. the Cassian Andor one, this Rogue One spinoff, because I think that one's probably going to come the soonest because they've already been working on that one for quite a while. The trailer that they showed was like way more fleshed out. You know, there's actual footage and behind the scenes stuff. And that whole element that we got a peek at in Rogue One where, you know, it's like everything I've done, I've done for the rebellion. And you get the impression that it's like, okay, there's some, you know, dirty deeds done dirt cheap stuff going on to <laughs> you know, make sure that the rebellion uh, keeps ticking and they, he's not afraid to shoot somebody in the back to shut them up, you know, so they don't get discovered. And so I'm kind of looking forward to that angle where you kind of see the seedy side of, uh, you know, war and, the, and the, from the rebellion's perspective. I think that's going to be really interesting. And I don't see a lot of people really excited as much about that one either. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I think I'll get more excited when I start seeing some like you know frames of of what's going on in the story. Like I th I think for me it's the story that gets me the most captivated, uh, not so much um, you know the character, but like I mean what they did show like in in trailer form and stuff like that you know looks cool. And um, I, I just like him like as a character. I just uh, you know getting to know him more I, I think would be really fun. And the actor is so phenomenal um, in that role. So yeah. Yeah, these are exciting times, man. We we live in times where like the season finale of a TV show can can get me as hyped, if not more hyped, as some of the Star Wars movies we've seen uh, recently. So yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. We're we're very lucky right now. So uh, that's a good transition. I, I again, I, as far as news of the week, there there wasn't a whole lot. Uh, Grant had before we started recording. Grant had said something about a. Um, Making of, I guess they're going to continue the yep. series for Mandalorian. Yep. It's going to come out. The first one's going to come out on Christmas. So with soul. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be good. I'm, I, uh, I, I still need to check out season one of the making of Mandalorian, but um, maybe I can watch them both back to back if they release them pretty fast. I, I can't remember. Those are like a episodic, like it, it, they release a new one every week or did they just dump them all? I think that's what they did with season one. I didn't watch it, but I'm pretty sure that's what they did. Yeah. Uh, usually I'm not really interested in those documentary and, and making of like, I'm interested for like 15 minutes and then you've lost me. But um, I think I might actually kind of be int intrigued by some of the stuff that they're doing, especially when it comes to props and costumes and, um, you know how they how they made a blaster to look just like the blasters from the movies or whatever like i think that kind of stuff would actually kind of bring out the kid in me and like especially with like how crazy season two was yeah i mean i think it'd be very interesting to see how they made it and everything especially how they made that final scene in we're one of the final scenes in this episode I, i'm very oh, interested yeah. to see how they did that so well let, let's get to it we'll we'll uh dive into uh, season two, episode eight, the rescue. Uh, when I saw the rescue uh, words on the screen, I got really pumped because, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it pretty much telegraphed what we were about to see. But um, this episode, the way it started, the very first scene that we see was not at all what I was expecting. Um, no. I, 
I thought we would see Dr. Pershing at some point. And I really thought that Dr. Pershing would be on the ship uh, with perhaps, you know, right next to in the same room as, as Gideon. And when we saw him, not just in the first frame of the episode, but also completely alone. Like he was with a couple of pilots, but other than that was basically all by himself. I was like, okay, this is definitely being written differently than the way I would write it. Uh, this is cool though. Um, uh, what do you guys think of Dr. Pershing's role in this episode? I, I thought it was very different than what I was expecting. Grant. <laughs> um, I would say it was unexpected. Um, I thought the episode just got off to just such a bang. I I mean, I knew there'd be a lot of action in this episode, but I didn't think that the pretty much the chase, as I would like to call it, um, I didn't really think that would happen. I mean, I figured we'd get like five minutes or so of kind of like dead time where, oh, we're, we're trying to get to the ship and... <laughs> yep, we're going to do this, and then they eventually get to the ship, but I mean, it was pretty much action from the moment you, right after the recap, which I absolutely love that. Yeah, I I, uh, I looked at the, I always look at the run, running time before I start the episode, mm-hmm. and when when I saw 4-6-M, uh, 46 minutes, and of course that includes credits and, and recap at the beginning, I was like, oh no, like, it's like this maybe only like 40, <laughs> 40 minutes of actual content in this thing. I was like, Oh no. Like, I feel like they're not going to, they're not going to have enough time to cover very much. And then, um, and then, like you said, they squeezed everything so tight. I mean, it was a very fast moving episode. There's a few moments of of characters like, you know, just staring and not saying anything, but even those were for like impacts, like it, you know, it, it, it raised tension and suspension. Uh, And so everything had a purpose and everything was like exactly in its place. Like I'm sure the editing, like they probably shot like, you know, 70 minutes of footage and they edited it down to like this really compact episode. And I was really impressed um, with that. Um, Jake, what do you think about like just the way that this opens, um, the way that they get uh, right to um, the stuff with Bo-Katan and Casca? Like, I mean, they, yeah. they introduced a lot of characters and brought them all in pretty quickly, like in the first seven or eight minutes. Sure. And there, I mean, there's still some characters, uh, missing you know from the show that you know that's what my wife said she's like oh i'll bet you that all the different people are going to come together yeah. and like and i'm like yeah no <laughs> we're missing a few <laughs> but, but that's okay like there's there was still uh plenty what i loved about that that opening scene is you know they board now forgetting the fact that it's like okay why is this super important scientist only with two pilots right now but okay in, yeah. in a ship mm-hmm. in a ship that people know is an imperial ship that usually carries important people and you got there's not even any guards on it but i'll just let that go it's like <laughs> just you know we're gonna get the story moving okay but what i loved about that scene was you had the two imperial pilots and like not all the imperial pilots like feel the same way about the empire because one of them's like okay you know what let's make a deal i'm gonna spare my life and the other guy's like nope shoot you in the back we're not making a deal uh and the little exchange that the pilot uh had about alderon oh my and, god you know, like hey you know i basically saw your home world uh blow up and you know i was on the death star and she's like which one and i'm like oh yeah dang, burn. that's <laughs> yeah burn that's that kind of one kind of stung but i again i really like those uh kind of like what war looks like from the other side you know when yeah. he's like look blowing up alderon was a small price to pay 
to, you know, rid the galaxy of terrorism and restore order. And I, I love that. That exchange is just so it's so meaty. There's so much yes. meat just even in that little uh, that little part. And then, of course, he gets shot in the face. Uh, so that ends that. But <laughs> in the reference uh, to the to the tear on her face, which I I guess I had never really thought about it, but like that tear is like specifically like an Alder on tear, like um like survivors of Alderon would like specifically get that tear tattoo on their face. Oh, and okay. um and so like when he, when he says like you know hey I, I saw the tear you know like that's how he knew that she was from Alderon, and and then of course you know uses that that information to like drive his thumb into the wound, you know, um, yeah. I, that, that, that exchange was so tense. I like, I was almost getting emotional watching it. I was just like, how would I feel if I want, if I, if this guy was there, like was like on the death star watching my planet get blown to bits, you know? Yeah, so, sure. Yeah. That was cool. Um, I, uh, I, I love the exchange that we got next in the, in the bar where they, they, I mean, they get right to the point. Like they, they go in there like, Hey, we need your help. Both, you know, Bo-Katan and Casca, both, both of you, we need your help to jump in and, and attack this thing. There's a little uh, scuffle between Boba and Casca there at first. And they're kind of like, you know, fighting uh, the fighting words type of thing. And then they actually do actually physically fight there. But, um, and love- Sasha gets to, do some WWE moves. Yeah, yeah. you noticed that Sasha too. Banks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. She actually like flips him over her, her uh, hip uh-huh. at one point. I was like, "That's awesome." And then she gets her little knee <laughs> knee kick in, and I enjoyed that. Yeah, I I love um, I really love Bo-Katan a lot. Um, I, a lot of that's come from the the Clone Wars episodes I've seen her in. Um, and uh, is she in Rebels as well, or is it just Sabine? Yeah. She's okay. in Rebels. Okay. Um, I haven't seen those episodes of Rebels yet, so I'm excited to learn more f- about her from that and to hear this actress that is actually in live action, you know, voice her some more. But um, yeah, she uh, basically is like, she's like, I'll do this, but I also want the Darksaber. I want the ship. I want help, you know, <laughs> t- attacking Mandalore and, and taking back that planet. Um, what What's... Uh, I, I didn't quite understand what they were saying if, if it was like, and I think this happens later in the episode, but it, it directly references Mandalore, but they keep talking about Mandalore has been turned to glass. Are they, are they being literal? Like, is it like the actual planet has been like changed in some way? It's, yeah. It's, it's basically an uninhabitable planet now okay. uh, because the empire like carpet bombed it. And I'm not, I'm sure that there's somebody out there listening. That's like, well, actually this is how, you know, but in a broad sense, uh, there was so much uh, war and resistance, both like civil war, you know, and that's why they say like uh, to break up the fight. They're like, if we would have fought the Empire as hard as we fought each other, then, you know, maybe Mandalore would have survived or however they worded it. But, yeah, essentially, like there's nobody hanging out and living on Mandalore anymore in mass like there was because it's all been just completely destroyed because the Empire was like. Um, yeah, this war fighting culture is like not going to do it for us. So let's just <laughs> drop the bombs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's interesting to me that she's so, she's like a true Mandalore that like to her, that planet is her home. And it, it like, it doesn't matter if it's like a, a virtually dead planet. She still wants it back. Uh, and to like reclaim it for like Mandalorians. Um, so I, I, I hope we get to see a lot more of that. I'm sure we will. in, in one of the other shows that they're going to do, but, um, yeah, that was cool. So she, I mean, basically they're like, yeah, we're in, let's do this. Um, then what we see next, um, 
I, I'm kind of going in order on this episode because there's like so much to cover. And I don't want to skip anything, but like, um, oh, we get Dr. Pershing kind of giving them the intel that they need to attack, which I didn't see that coming at all. Like, I, what, do you guys, what do you guys think was his motivation there? Like, I, I guess he just doesn't want to die. Like, I, I don't know. Was, he, and, he re- Go ahead, Grant. Um, I, I feel like he had a, I mean, Jake might argue with this, but I feel like he kind of has a little bit of remorse because, I mean, even in, like, uh, season one, when he was working on Grogu, he kind of had some, a little bit of remorse. But um, that's just kind of what I kind of thought. So he's oh. kind of trying to just help him out because he knows what he's doing is somewhat wrong. Yeah. What do you think, Jake? He kind of reminds me of uh, Jen uh, Ezro's father in rogue one where basically he like doesn't really want to be a part of the imperial machine but the Uh empire's like we need your skills so you're coming with us so i get the impression from his character and i don't think we're gonna get some you know i don't think he's gonna get his own spinoff series or anything (laughs) to explain this but yeah uh yeah but he grabs me as somebody who uh is is working for the empire almost under coercion and it's just kind of like, look, I'm a pawn in this. So, like, if you guys want me to help you, that's great. Just please don't hit me, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I could almost see both of those being true, really. Um, I, uh, it's interesting, the exchange, going back to the ship uh, scene where they, uh, you know, abduct him. Um, they, uh, like, he's like, there's like two pilots. And one of the pilots is like, hey, don't kill me. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll help you guys out. We can work out a deal. And the, the bad pilot like shoots his own pilot friend in the in the back and like kills him. And then there's that moment where he's like pointing the gun directly at Dr. Pershing because he knows that that's the bargaining chip. And he is like, he's a, tar- he's a you know, a high value target or high, high value asset, whatever for the empire. I'm not going to let you guys take him. And at that moment I was like, okay, this, this guy's probably not empire. Like he's like been hired in the same way that like Boba Fett or someone has been hired to do the bidding of the empire, but like Boba Fett's not loyal to the empire. Like they're just, he's just empire's a paycheck to him. And I almost wonder if Dr. Pershing is kind of the same way. Um, So yeah, he's like, just don't kill me. I'll, I'll tell you what, what you need to know. Um, Cause you gotta think that he's getting paid really well. Yeah. And they still, they still they still have him at the end of the episode and like I kind of wonder like are they just going to let him go or like I mean you know if he's not in with the empire like is he just kind of a non issue <laughs> like some someone they're not worried about anymore I'm really interested to I see mean, if we even see him again. What it doesn't he wear an imperial uniform? I, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I didn't think I think he's that. wearing a uniform and uh he's probably pretty valuable to them because He's a cl- like a clone scientist, which, you know, alludes to they're using Grogu's blood for Snoke or, you know, resurrecting the Emperor. Yeah. But they're going to want information out of him. Like, obviously, he yeah. is at a very high level doing some really shady, you know, stuff for the Empire. So they're they're definitely going to bring him in for questioning. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if we see that on screen. I, I think you're right, though. But. Um, yeah, I wonder. I wonder how much what what kind of a role he'll have, like in season three. Um, I, I kind of figure it's mostly centered around Gideon and you know cleaning up his dudes, but maybe not. I don't know. Um, 
so yeah, they basically Bo-Katan comes up with this big plan and I love the the plan by the way. Like it's so smart because like this, this massive cruiser thing that, that Gideon's flying on, like it's kind of like, okay, this thing's impenetrable to even the slave one. Like the slave one is a really cool ship and all, but like, I mean, it's not going to like take down a cruiser and like fire at it and, and it feel any of it. Like it's just going to bounce off the shields. Right. So I'm like, how are they even going to pull this off? And basically what they do is it's like, they, they have the, this Imperial ship that Pershing was on. So it's kind of a double, double reason to like, to get him in, you know, early in the episode is not just the human Dr. Pershing, but also the ship that he was riding on, riding on as well. And so they basically use that as like a Trojan horse to like, you know, Hey, we're getting fired on. Yes. This slave one ship is attacking us. Let us in. You know, you gotta, you gotta uh, shelter us. And then they like, there's like, you know, force fields and things to keep them out of the ship. But they, they knew that they would send TIE fighters out of that like portal thing and so they were like, okay, we're going to use the moment that they opened this thing to let TIE fighters out to let us in at that exact same moment and just like do this whole ruse thing. I thought it was brilliant. Um, it was really mm-hmm. cool to watch. I thought it was super cool. There was a, a almost a blink and you'll miss it moment that I really liked where they showed you uh, like you're in the cockpit of the TIE, fi- TIE fighter as it's launching and it's just oh, like, yeah. and it's like this roller coaster, you know, uh, episode one pod racing or star tours at Disneyland, you know, <laughs> feeling that. And I, and I even re I was like, whoa, that was cool. And so I rewound it and watched it again. And I was like, wow, that was a neat little thing. But I mean, it's like, it's there and gone, but that it just shows you the amount of detail in this show. There's so much like so many Easter eggs and so many just, you know, even the, the costumes in the background and just little tiny scenes like that one that yeah. it's like, man, you could almost watch both seasons frame by frame and still enjoy it because there's just so much to take in. But I really liked that little zoop, that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool too. I, I there are like you know seeing the inside of the slave one. We kind of talked about that a little last week, but like how like the whole thing like rotates around the cockpit. Like I, we're seeing some some like little um, uh, lore, Star Wars lore kind of stuff that I w- I really wouldn't expect from a show like this. Um, so yeah, yeah. Cool. like like people will point to them. Like you go on like some Star Wars wiki page, and they're gonna say, "Oh, we know this about the Slave One because of reference Mandalorian episode, blah blah blah." So that's that's pretty exciting. Um, then we see a, just a ton of action. I mean, there's a there's a crap ton. Of, I would say almost half the episode is some kind of you know combat of some kind, and them fighting their way into like the middle of the sh- or the you know the bridge of the ship or whatever was really cool i feel like we saw more like hand-to-hand combat and i don't know if that's because okay we got sasha banks but like it was like they yes they're firing blasters a lot but they're also like taking these stormtroopers on in at close range like at melee range yeah um and i, I don't know that I mean, you guys correct me but i i don't know that we've seen that a lot in star wars like for the most part they're attacking from long range like you know, way down the hallway or way across the battlefield, you know, firing these blaster shots from like a hundred yards. And this was like tight, like guerrilla warfare, like <laughs> hand to hands in your face, killing you up front, like kind of, kind of things. Like it was, it was exciting. I thought to watch. Yeah. There there's a, uh, you know, and I know a, a couple episodes ago, we saw Boba Fett essentially taking a golf club to stormtrooper helmets yes. and busting <laughs> them open. And that was a little jarring, but in this episode, um, and, I'll, and I'll 
skip just a little bit ahead and then come back. But when um, Din Djarin gets to the door of the brig, there's two stormtroopers there. One of them, he takes his spear and drives it through the stormtrooper's stomach. (laughs) And then the next one, he chokes to death, like murder style. Yeah. And I was watching that and I was like, whoa, like this does (laughs) not feel, you know, this isn't, uh, you know, Wilhelm scream, you know, from a cliff (laughs) off the thing. This is like, this is straight up like homicide, dude. This is hardcore. And it just, it felt kind of weird, honestly. Like I noticed it and I was like, Ooh, I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> um, what do you think, Grant? Talk, just talk about, I guess, any of the combat in it. Well, um, for a while there. And like, even when Caitlin and I were watching this, which we just watched it like a half hour, 45 <laughs> minutes ago. Um, I was like, we're getting the female power show. Cause oh, I yeah. mean, for like, probably five minutes or so it was just the group of four females and they were just going to town on the stormtroopers. And then, I mean, uh, Din Djarin, I mean, that was just crazy. I mean, the dark troopers, I mean, that yeah, was d- nuts. D- okay. So just go straight into that. D- talk about that, that fight with that one, that one there's only one dark trooper that makes it out, yeah. of, the, out of the door and, and he and literally like I thought breaks gonna, open the I, door yeah I, th- I thought it was gonna be a real fight but like maybe over in like 10 seconds or something like that yeah and he really struggled oh yeah and like there was a second where i was just like because like earlier i mean obviously i watched this episode later than a lot of people did but um i had seen on facebook that there were some articles saying about like huge plot twists and, and there was probably like a second or two where I thought Din Djarin was doomed where the dark trooper was just punching. Like basically you could pretty much insinuate that he was punching his face in dude, and that this is going to be the end of Mando. And, um, I wasn't and sure like, how he, how he was going to get out of that. I was yeah. like, like, he literally punched him in the face what like six times or something like that. Like yeah. it was just over, just re- unrelenting, just re- directly right into his face. The the whole of the ship behind his head was caving in as his like, yeah. helmet was like being smashed. And none of it. his weapons were doing anything. Yeah, I was like, this thing's indestructible. <laughs> that was uh, crazy. Yeah, the dark troopers. Uh, basically the Mandalorian fought the Terminator. Yeah. And that's what yeah. I was thinking the whole time. It's like this, this is the, the Terminator from the original and it's this just unstoppable uh, robot. And then he tries to set him on fire and now you've got yeah. a flaming Terminator coming <laughs> after you. And man, I, the, the original Terminator is one of my favorite movies of all time. And I loved the the whole Dark Trooper setup in this episode. You know where they're at the doors and they're just like boom, boom, like pounding to come in. And they were so intimidating. And I felt the same way that you did, Grant. I was like, oh man, because we've not seen Mando get tossed around, you know, yeah. quite like that. And yeah. I was like, oh dang. And also, there's a bunch more of them behind that door, <laughs> like crazy, man. I, they did a great job establishing those Dark Troopers as something that uh were to be feared which had a real big payoff later (laughs) 
Yeah, because I mean, we learned really early in the episode from Doctor Pershing where he's like, he's like, we we took the the last uh, problem to solve with the dark rovers was the human element. Like when we basically made them complete droids, they became basically a force to, to be reckoned with, and no one is going to be able to take down. And then um, you know, it's later on in the episode, I, I guess past what, what we're talking about, but like where um, Gideon goes on his whole rant, and he's just like you know, you thought it was hard to take down one of them. There's like 40 more that are coming. And I had the same thought, like when he was fighting that one, I was like, okay, great. You, you killed one of them, but like, there's no way you're going to be able to, like, yeah. his whole team is not going to be able to fight these dark troopers. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, cause like we talked about this last week on the episode, like what we were going to get from the dark troopers and we definitely knew that it was going to obviously be an upgrade from the stormtroopers. But I mean, these dark troopers probably add up to like, I don't know, like 20 stormtroopers. Oh, at least. Yeah. If not more. I yeah, mean, it was crazy. They're basically super soldiers, but you know, have absolutely yeah. zero morality, zero, you know, human will or influence at all they don't have any fear at all it's just yeah they're they're extremely one honestly one of the most intimidating characters i've seen in star wars like other than like sith and stuff like that obviously but um yeah it was it was pretty intense um then we get um mando and Gideon and grogu finally get to, we didn't get to see grogu at all last episode but um he's back and he's obviously you know, being held at, at a dark saber uh, weapon, you know, to his neck kind of thing. And, you know, drop the blaster, kick it over to me. They have this little exchange and then they fight. Um, what would, what, uh, from the just kind of verbal exchange and also like the fighting in, in that scene, what, what did you guys get out of it? Well, I mean, I think they definitely wanted to at first play it off. Like Gideon's just gonna let Mando walk away yeah. with Grogu and, it's, I mean, if you've seen like any dramatic show, you knew <laughs> that wasn't going to be the case. <laughs> and, and I mean, it would have been a major letdown if you would have just let him walk away and we weren't even going to get a Moff Gideon, Din Djarin, uh, hand at, or combat. Yeah. But then, of course, he attacks him like all villains do. Yeah. Let me ask you guys. I'll answer the question here, and then we'll, we'll get to Jake's thoughts on the fight. But like, what, do you what do you guys think about that? Like, do you believe? Two questions: Did Din Djarin take him at his word? And if he did, was he legit legit just going to bail on Bo-Katan and his friends? Like, do you think he actually would have done that? Had had Gideon actually kept his word and just said, "Take the child and go," I think he would have because I mean, I truly <laughs> believe that um, Din Djarin has formed a bond with Grogu that probably uh, trumps probably any relationship he's had. Yeah. What do you think, Jake? Yeah. uh, I think he took Moff Gideon at his word because he turned his back on Moff Gideon. Like Moff Gideon takes it like a few steps towards the door and Mando goes to pick up Grogu and literally is like not checking his back at all which yeah. is how, you know, he ends up swinging at him. So, yeah, I think he took him at his word. Uh, and, yeah, I think he – I mean, I think he would have left. I mean, let's not forget. Let's go back to the first couple episodes of, 
you know, this thing. And I know there's been some character development, but ulti- and he told that to Bo-Katan too. He's like, the kid is my only priority. Like, oh, okay, you mm-hmm. want, you know, you want to fight Gideon. You want the Darksaber. You want all that stuff. Cool. I'm going to leave that here with you. Uh, bye. I got my kid. I'm <laughs> out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of thought he would do it too. Um, obviously he's not given the chance to, you know, to do, to actually pull that off. But um, yeah, I, I really think that he has like kind of what Grant said, like just zero loyalty to anybody. Yeah. Um, he's, he's lived his life that way. Like as a, as a bounty hunter, like you just learned to, to basically I'm out for me, myself and I, and everyone else can, can just, you know, fall, fall behind that. So. And like, there's a moment like five minutes later in the show after the combat that definitely shows where Din Djarin's loyalty lies with. Yeah. But but we won't get to that part yet. <laughs> um, I love uh, that. I love that fight. J- Jake, do you want to talk about that or, or did you have something else? Yeah. Um, what, one of the things I love about Moff Gideon as a character is <laughs> the whole line where he goes, just assume I know everything. <laughs> and like... <laughs> Yeah, and he does, and that that's what uh, you know caught Din Djarin off in the first season finale because he like used his name and knew his history, and I think that that makes him such a menacing character because he's like, I will always be two steps ahead of you because I know what's going on, and I think that's so cool uh, for him as a villain. The fight was was okay; it was nothing special. I think that the melting, uh, you know, part of the Beskar spear was a nice touch. Uh, yeah. Just to give you that little bit of like, mm, okay, maybe this isn't going to be, you know, totally in uh, Mando's favor. One thing uh, here, the one thing I want to say, and Grant, uh, you're a wrestling fan, so you might know this. <laughs> there is a move that Ric Flair during his whole career, okay, he'll he's the guy's on the ground on the mat, and he goes up on the top rope, okay, and every single time through this guy's been wrestling for decades. Every single time the other wrestler goes over to the top rope and bo- and body slams Ric Flair off the top rope, not one time has whatever that was is supposed to be has ever happened. It never happens, okay? And you go to Star Wars, and when you see somebody wearing a Mandalorian helmet shoot the little ropey thing and tie someone up, it's the same thing. It never yeah. works. Like, it didn't work in... Return of the Jedi with Boba Fett. That's how he ended up in the Sarlacc pit. It didn't work when he tried to do it to uh, Ahsoka. It didn't like it has never worked. And so as soon as that came out, I was like, "Yeah, this is." And it came it did it twice in this episode because Boba Fett <laughs> did it in their little bar fight, and then uh, and then oh, Mando yeah. tried to do it to Moff Gideon. And I'm like, "You guys just need to get rid of that in your inventory because <laughs> it never does anything." <laughs> Hashtag replace the rope. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah i mean when you have a flamethrower do you really need a rope (laughs) yeah uh yeah that's interesting i i I do like watching the the dark saber like um spark against the the beskar like when it comes in contact it's obviously like just electric like you know it it produces this effect so uh it's always really cool i I love i love the dark saber so much like it, it is basically the, the lightsaber that we've not really seen much of. We've seen it in Clone Wars. Uh, it, um, here it takes uh, has a, a place in Rebels, although I haven't seen it yet. But it is one of those things that, I mean, unless you've seen the animated stuff, you have no idea what this thing even is. And to see it not only in live action, but in 
with all the flair that live action can give it and the reality that it can give it. Um, I, I just, I'm enthralled with this weapon. So I, I, we're going to see a lot more of it um, going forward. This is just a taste of, of what's to come, but uh, yeah, the, the uh, Beskar spear versus the uh, dark saber. I thought, I thought was really cool. So um, obviously he wins, but spares his life, you know, holds a spear to his neck basically and says, Hey, you're, you're coming with me. And really that's, uh, that's him. You know, there is some honor, I guess, in, in Mando. And that was one thing that Bo-Katan made him promise, you know, Hey, don't kill him. You know, I want him alive. I want to take him alive. And so he, you know, keeps that, that part of the bargain and, and basically brings him straight to, to Bo-Katan in the, in the, um, the bridge area. So um, and then they have this exchange about the dark saber and I, I'm eager to get Jake's thoughts on this because I know he loves the, the clone wars and, you know, just, uh, star Wars history. Um, he basically, cause at, at first I'm just like, okay, it's over. Like he's just going to hand Bo-Katan the dark saber and she's going to use that to, to, you know, claim her right, rightful place in Mandalore and kill Moff Gideon and kill Moff Gideon with the dark saber. But basically we never actually see her wield it. Like he never actually fully hands it over to her in the scene. And it's because of this thing that I've, I've been reading about. And like, I was watching it with like some super star Wars nerds, like people that are in the star Wars even more than me. And they were saying like the, the dark saber can definitely just be transferred over to somebody else. And, and I don't know what, what they were trying to do in this episode. Like, um, is this like, Gideon trying to convince Bo-Katan that no, you really do need to take this by force, like in battle, or if they're trying to like, surely they're not trying to like retro, you know, what's already been established in canon from like Clone Wars. But in, in the Clone Wars, there is a scene where it's either I think it's Sabine hands it to Bo-Katan or Bo-Katan hands. Yeah, it in it, in Rebels, yeah, in Rebels, that's how that's how Bo-Katan gets it. Is okay. It's just handed to her, and I mean, there's some discussion about you know. Uh, I mean, he's right. The dark saber is important, and that's how Darth Maul, you know, gets his power and stuff. But that honestly, that kind of uh, that threw me off as well, and I was like, okay, I'm trying to like rack my brain from what the precedent here is and how you know and. There's got to be something going on here because uh, John Favreau and especially Dave Filoni like are sticklers for being consistent with the lore. And so this isn't something that, you know, they called Ryan Johnson and asked him for his opinion on something cool to do in the finale. And he's like, why don't you just throw this element in there? Who cares about, you know, the lore? (laughs) Like it's this is uh, something that was thought through. Um, So I, I don't really... I, I don't know what to say about it other than uh, it doesn't make sense to me, but I do trust the show writers to make sense of it at some point. I'm assuming that this will become, uh, you know, if there's a true Mandalorian or a Mandalorian, yeah, the man, eh, a true Mandalorian season three, that this will be something that's fleshed out because it's one of the cliffhangers from this. Like you said, Bo-Katan doesn't take it. So I guess technically, um, Din Djarin is now the rightful heir to the Mandalorian throne, which presents a problem between Bogatan and Din Djarin. And of course there's the whole, like, uh, you know, uh, he's a part of, was a foundling of death watch and there's all these different Mandalorian sex. And, you know, what about the, the Mandalorian that like helped him uh, do his armor and stuff like those, that sect 
of Mandalorians is not going to be cool with him taking off his helmet and hanging out with Bo-Katan and her. So I think mm. all of the, um, you know, uh, Mandalore lore part of the show is going to be the focus of season three, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to see that. Um, yeah. The only thing I can think of that they might do at the beginning of season three is to like stage a fight um, where like, obviously she doesn't kill Mandalorian. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen, but like where it's maybe done in front of other Mandalorians, like on Mandalore perhaps or, so, or something like that, but like where they can basically like, get around the loophole like they create a loophole to like basically say okay hey we fought and i, I beat him and now i have the dark saber like I, they have to do something like that um but I, I i can't i can't imagine why they wanted to do it in this episode like why bring that into canon um and explain it as much as they did because there's like a whole like two minute conversation about it and so uh and like bo-katan's like no he's right i can't i can't just take it from you so um yeah, it's it's really interesting. I, I, again, Filoni knows what happens in Rebels. He wrote he wrote Rebels, so uh, yeah, it's it's interesting that they went that direction. But I'm assuming they're going to set that up. It's set up for something that happens in season three, apparently. So um, then we get the and they're back moment. Um, the dark troopers are are back with you know. Uh, well, we skipped over that I guess earlier. They everyone that's seen the episode knows what happens. They basically get jettisoned out of the airlock into space, and then and then uh, but you know, Gideon being the slime ball that he is, he's like, you know, they're of course not gone. They're coming right back here. And, you know, you had trouble against one. Uh, let's see how you fare against a whole platoon of these things. And um, they come, come back in. And like, at this point, I'm like, there, something has to happen here. Like the, 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 like these six or what, what, however many there are, five or six of them, they're not, there's nothing they can do. And Gideon's like smiling the whole time. Like he knows he has the upper hand here. He knows that there's, he's, he's basically already won <laughs> they, before they even come in, they reach the blast doors and they're, they're punching it through. And you're like in a matter of minutes, they're going to have this thing completely, you know, smashed down. And so something has to happen here. Uh, then we see an X wing come in the background. I'm like, yes, what is going on? What is happening? Um, and I'm going to let Jake, have the honor of introducing this next uh, character in this next segment. Oh, well, thanks. Uh, <laughs> so when I first saw the X-Wing, my I was like, okay, I'm kind of confused. There's only one of them. And I thought back to uh, some of the New Republic guys from, you know, like mid-season uh, that had talked about Alderaan with um, uh, Cara Dune and all that. So I was like, maybe it's one of these New Republic guys. Like, it honestly, like, it did not, like, set in at first, right? Yeah. Uh, and then of course we start seeing the images on camera of, you know, the dark hood and whatnot. I'm like, okay, this is definitely a, a Jedi. Like I know, but I still was like, not going to let my mind go there because I'm just like, yeah. surely not. It's like, that's impossible. There's no way. Well, and, and then I see that. Well, let, let me inter interrupt you just for a second. We had yeah, the, yeah. the scene stone episode. And so like the scene stone immediately came back to mind. I was like, this is somebody that got the message like from Grogu yeah. like, when he was in the blue flame thing. And like, yeah. and I was like, but it could be Ezra. Like it could be like, I, I, again with you, I was like, I wasn't letting myself go there cause I didn't want to be disappointed. So I was like, yeah. oh, it's probably just Ezra Bridger or something like that. <laughs> so, you know, he's, he's in the hood and then we see the, I see the green lightsaber and I'm like, mm -hmm. no, no. And I mean, he is just tearing through these dark troopers 
like they are just paper, you know, uh, like they're just scarecrows. And so this whole episode, (laughs) you know, they have trouble killing one. These are like, these are terminators and he's just slicing and dicing like, like they're nothing. Right. Yeah. And, the as the more it goes on and i at one point i even saw you know a gloved hand and i'm like yes no yeah. no this get like dude i was <laughs> like chills like i was getting chills it, and when, uh, you want to know like something like really nerdy and embarrassing about me i was shaking like i was like i was visibly like my arms and my legs were shaking during this this whole it was up. crazy because it took like, i thought i thought minutes. you were when you said embarrassing, I was like, did you pee or what? No. Like, I didn't know what you were getting ready to tell me there. I but, didn't cry. Uh, I, I, I did see, I, I was on Twitter after, after the fact, I did see people that admitted that they cried during the episode. So, and it had. Oh, sure. Was like, yeah, yeah, Caitlin definitely cried uh, for this part. Oh, really? Interesting. No, yeah. she did. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know she cared. <laughs> uh, and so, and of course, I didn't realize it at the moment I was watching it, but I went back later, but. Uh, you know, it's revealed to be Luke Skywalker, which is just like my mind was exploded. He got his own hallway scene, right? Yes. Like Vader did and like Maul did, like he got his own hallway scene. Yeah. So he goes through the hallway, comes in and I'm like, okay, how's this going to work? Because, you know, Mark Hamill's old, uh, <laughs> you know, and ha- like, how are they going to do this? And I'm like, uh, that's Mark Hamill. That's Luke Skywalker. Like this is the, he's here and this is happening. And uh, like, I, I was just totally uh, blown off my feet. Now, there was a little bit of the, uh, you know, Tarkin from Rogue One and Leia yeah. from Rogue One, like CGI stuff going on. But overall, like the, the, that complaint is teeny tiny, you know, about that, because I was just like, this this is amazing. And the one thing, I'll, uh, the, the main thing I want to say about this um, before I yield back is... I was like, you know, I, I'm not a big Last Jedi hater. I'm really not. Like, I, I understand, like, developing the character. And uh, sometimes I think the sequel trilogy was almost like really high-budget fan fiction, you know, because the story went in such kind of weird directions, you know. Uh, but that was the movie. That was like, okay, that's that's post-Return of the Jedi Luke, and that's what we got, and that's all I thought we would ever get. And now I'm like, this, this, this is what people wanted to see of Luke Skywalker post return of the Jedi. Yes. This is what like we have been waiting for since, you know, we saw him, uh, you know, watch his father die uh, on the second death star as him coming back and just being this, uh, you know, Superman uh, Goku style ultra power figure. Yeah. Uh, it was so awesome, man. It was just so awesome and so satisfying to see Luke Skywalker being Luke Skywalker in this scene. I was totally blown away. Yeah. I'm going to hand it to Grant here in a second. I have a lot to say, but I'm going to let him talk next. Uh, the only thing I wanted to insert is, and it's not about him necessarily directly, but like um, there's a moment where he like he's obviously slashing dark troopers left and right just in one shot just one shot killing him and at one point he uses the force to like like crumple like he like like squeezes his fist together and crumples a dark trooper with his hands like with the force like I, i was like this guy is like all powerful whoever this is this is like ultra jedi master um so it's like the kind of stuff that we would expect to see from like like an old 
Obi-Wan or, or a Yoda, like, you know, like just be in, in control of the room. I, I, I just couldn't believe how, how much, uh, without even seeing his face, how much confidence it exuded the entire time he was walking through the, the cruiser. So, but Grant, you, you go and then I'll, I'll wrap it up. Okay. Um, well, first off, um, to pat myself on the back, <laughs> I, uh, I, I just want to say Here it comes. that I, last week I pretty much called that it was going to be Luke, that, or maybe it was two episodes ago. I can't remember when I said it, <laughs> but I'm, I said that Luke was going to be the one that answered the call. And I thought and, you were crazy at the time, by the way. <laughs> and um, I, I was super impressed. Um, I was so happy that we got him. And it took me, kind of like Jake was saying, it took me a while to really like buy into that it was Luke. Because like, first we get the X-Wing, and I, I was like, well, so many people fly. I mean, there's numerous people that fly those types. Yeah. And so I'm like, eh, maybe it's not him. And then we get the cloak, of course, and then kind of like Jake was talking about, we get more and more, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I'm actually <laughs> right. I, I'm somebody that basically has just watched the Star Wars films <laughs> and haven't watched, like, anything else. But, I mean, I might have been off about Moff Gideon dying, but, <laughs> I, I mean, I nailed this one. So You did. But, yeah, I, I mean, it... It was epic, and I mean, it just goes to show like how powerful Luke was. Because I mean, Din Djarin was going against one, yeah, and he struggled so bad. <laughs> and Luke made I don't know, like forty look like it was nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was uh, like kind of what Jake was teasing earlier about, like you know, they're doing a lot of work in this episode to, to tell us how formidable the dark troopers are and the payoff in one, in the same episode of watching Luke just mow through these guys was so satisfying. Like it, it was just like, it, like I'm repeating a lot of what Jake said, but like it, it was, it was everything we wanted to see. It, it was, it, it was Luke no longer as a, as a trainee, as a, you know, Jedi in training. This is Luke Jedi master, in control of the room, in control of the situation. You know, never, never for a moment did he look nervous. I mean, we weren't seeing his face, but like, you know, his body didn't look like, uh, you know, oh, I might not make it through this. He's like, yeah, this is this is over. I'm, <laughs> I'm here. I'm here to like save the day, basically. Um, and then like that moment where they pull, where he pulls his his hood back, and I was like, are we? Did, was this a big fake out? Like, is this really just Ezra? But like, he's got luke's lightsaber or something like you know i was try, trying to like not jinx myself but they pull it back and i was like oh that's not sebastian stan like this guy that like they've been trying to talking about like all the, the rumors have been like they're gonna recast luke as like this new actor that's you know in his 20s and his 30s and i'm like nope that's not sebastian stan that's freaking mark hamill as mm -hmm. a de-aged you know kind of like what we saw Le leia and tarkin i agree with jake I think the CGI was like 95% there for me. Like I, I think uh, I was, I was maybe more okay with it than some other people that probably watched it, but like it wasn't, it was only until like certain words came out of his mouth that I felt like the mouth movement was not quite natural. That, that, that's what kind of caused a little bit of uncanny Valley for, for me. Um, but 
as far as like when he was standing there, especially when he wasn't saying anything and just like, just him like looking around the, 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 the scene and like looking at characters and the, just the, the way he was standing and his mannerisms and the, just the get up and, and his hair. I was like, they, they nailed it. Like he looks just like he did at the end of return of the Jedi, uh, just maybe just a few years older. So um, I, I was actually quite happy with the CGI for the most part. There were definitely a few moments and like Jake said, if you go frame by frame, you might kind of see some stuff that doesn't look natural, but um, I think they've gotten better. Uh, if anything, since Tarkin, I, I thought Tarkin looks frankly kind of bad uh, in, in moments. And I thought actually Luke looked really legit. Um, now I don't know where they go from here. Cause like, I mean, obviously there's, you know, we'll get to it here in a second, but like he basically takes Grogu and, there's no way that we're going to, that's, there's no way that that's the last we've seen of Grogu or Luke in my opinion. And so Luke will be de-aged. Like Mark Hamill will be Luke again in some future season of some show, uh, maybe Ahsoka, maybe just Mando uh, season three, but like, I, I'm assuming the CGI is just hopefully going to get better and better. They'll like throw more money at it, more time at it. Uh, they'll obviously have a whole year to kind of work on this technology. I, I'm really interested to see because he basically just walked into the room, did a lot of talking, and then grabs Grogu and then like turned around and left. And that, that was all they really had to do, had his character do. And so I'm very interested to see if we get like some training scenes like between him and Grogu and like how that's going to look. But so far, I was actually, for the most part, pleased with what we saw. So I one thing that I, I wrote down is because I, I was trying to take notes and it was like frantic to write any notes for this episode. But like uh, one thing I wrote was when Luke talks, nobody moves. And like that, that to me was like really powerful. Like, um, like no one in the room has probably even ever heard of, I mean, maybe they've heard about Luke Skywalker on like news, like, like watching the hollow news channel or something like that. But like, I, I'm not even sure that everyone in the room even really knows who this guy is. And yeah, he exudes that much aura that when he speaks, everyone stops. Like they just, they're dead in their tracks. They're not like saying, Hey, who are you? Or you can't take Grogu or I'm going to speak up and say something stupid. Like they, there's like, Nope. Like he obviously is, you know, better than all of us. And we, he's like almost like a God to them. Like they're like bowing in reverence to this man that they've never met. So um, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it was epic, um, without a doubt. Um, I, here's what I love about this show. And I, I, I think I, I could say this about just Mandalorian in general. I think it's more true of season two than season one. But they, there's, a, I was telling Jessica, because she hasn't seen it, so I didn't want to spoil what happened. So I talked in generalities. But um, I, I told her, I said, I feel like there's like three different uh, bars that they can shoot for. Like there's like nor normal, you know, action, like, you know, that's going to please a lot of fans, but maybe would upset some star Wars fans because they wanted to, to more to be revealed or more to happen. Then there's like, you know, epic level, like, you know, pretty like big, you know, big announcement. Like I thought Boba Fett seeing that Boba Fett was alive was kind of that, um, you know, there's that, that kind of us seeing Ahsoka in live action. There's that level. And then there's Luke Skywalker level, which is like, like, <laughs> Like who would, who would have ever guessed that they would go like, you know, the, the phrase go big or go home. This is the biggest I've ever seen any show go. Like I, they, they went, they were like, yeah, we could do level one. We could do level three. Let's just go level 10. Let's just go as, as high as we can possibly go. And, and we finished the episode and I looked at my coworkers. I was like, they 
they went I, I can't imagine a bigger ending to that season than what they just did so yeah I was over the moon <laughs> I'm assuming you were too Jake since you texted me you were just like dude <laughs> oh yeah I just I, like I said it, it was almost like it it just undid kind of uh some of the disappointments I had with the sequel trilogy and i'm like finally like this you know it's kind of like the sequel trilogy was like oh yay we're having cookies chocolate chip oh it's oatmeal <laughs> i mean it's okay i guess but I kinda want <laughs> this was a warm you know mom made it for you gooey you know a uh, chocolate chip cookie with <laughs> ice cold milk and it was fantastic uh I will say that uh, I do think that uh, Grogu is done. I don't think oh, wow. that. Okay. Yeah, I don't think that he's going to be a central part in season three. Do I think that he could uh, make a return? Yeah, I I think that uh, in a similar way that you know they were all rescued at the end of this season, uh, at the end of Mandalorian, uh, the Mandalorian season three, if there is one, and it's not just doesn't turn into the Boba Fett thing. Uh, I could see Grogu like coming to the rescue, especially if season three is set maybe a few years in the future. I don't know. But, um, I, I, you know, I think that they, uh, they know they had a good thing. It's obviously a big marketing tool, but even if Grogu doesn't stay in the show, I still think that baby Yoda is going to sell toys and <laughs> be on mugs. And like, I don't think that's going to go away because mm. I mean, think about all the different star Wars merchandise of characters that, you know, are long gone that are, that are still sold. I mean, look at Boba Fett, how much screen time he had and yeah. his stuff sold for you know, forever. And mm. uh, so it's not, it's not out of the question that a character cannot be, uh, a central focus and still you know be uh, a marketing tool but it just seems like the show uh, the first two seasons of the show was Din Djarin's relationship with with baby Yoda and that came to pretty much a satisfying end like he completed the mission there was no cliffhanger that we were left with mm. in relation to Grogu or Luke for that matter. Yeah. The right. the the cliffhanger that we were left with was uh-oh, now you and Bo-Katan got to fight for the lightsaber and you know there's uh and then of course like a lot of like oh, now Ahsoka gets her tie-in show to go look for Grand Admiral Thrawn and uh, you know they're pointing towards all these other shows but as far as Din Djarin goes, he's got the dark saber and that's kind of a problem now. Uh, and we're going to explore some, you know, Mandalorian uh, history and lore and stuff. But I, I don't think that they're going to lean too uh, far on the Jedi stuff. You know, you were mentioning like training scenes and stuff like that. Mm. Um, I, I just, I think that this is about as Jedi slash Force using that uh, this show is going to get, and they're going to go back to the, you know, Western bounty hunter. Uh, there will still be some world building, but I think it's going to be all about the the Mandalorians. It's like Rogue One. You know, Rogue One, there was this super cool Darth Vader scene that everybody went nuts over and was super awesome. But you know what? It was like a minute long and wasn't <laughs> the central like part of uh, the story. And so I think that's what this was. This was like, whoa, this was super awesome. But, you know, if you want a lot of lore about the Force, you have, like, the first six Star Wars movies to go lean on, and we're going to 
build the world out in other places. So that yeah. I, I, you know, of course I could be totally wrong. Uh, but sometimes you just gotta like give the audience just enough to get crazy about something. But if you, if you leave something there too long, like baby Yoda, it's gonna be like, okay, we've, you know, we've seen this before. Yeah, he's cute, but you can't, you just, I don't think they could keep the show centered around him for another season. I just don't. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting and interesting to see what they do in season three. Um, that's kind of where I wanted to end is, um, unanswered questions like you know where they where do they go from here what's what season three look like um you know as a season three without the razor crest and without grogu i think is a really interesting prospect like where where do they go from here what do they do um uh you know is mando done with his religion you know he took off his we didn't really talk about it but he took took his helmet off in front of everybody to address grogu one last time before he said his goodbye Uh, and he's kind of been toying with that idea all season and they've been plugging in at it again and again throughout season two of like you know hey just take your helmet off dude like you know no one no one no one believes in this dead religion um you know except for maybe just a few other people out there uh and mandalorians in general don't don't really embrace it um you know what's next for boba fett like you know we saw him you know in that post-credit scene in java's or what formerly the palace formerly known as Jabba's palace um and you know doing the underworld thing um but maybe he gets his own show you know like we talked about earlier the book of boba fett so i don't know what grant what are you what are you some of your you're the prediction master around here what what's your, what, are your, what are your predictions for season three where do, where do you think where do you think we go from here well i have i have one funny prediction that uh <laughs> i don't think is going to happen okay hit us but I mean, I, I would just die of laughter. Um, it's going back to Luke training Grogu, but it would just be <laughs> hilarious if there was like an X-Wing in the swamp <laughs> and Luke is having Grogu raise it out of the swamp. <laughs> that, that would just, that would just <laughs> make the show for me. But I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think um, it'll a lot of it will surround man Mandalore now. Um, and I don't, I don't know. Um, now that Grogu is kind of out of the picture picture for Din Djarin, I don't, I mean, I could honestly see where he just takes the dark saber and rules Mandalore huh. and isn't willing to give that up now. Cause huh. I mean, he doesn't really have a ton that, I mean, basically leading up to this episode, the one thing that he cared about was Grogu. And now Grogu isn't really in the picture. So, yeah. I mean, I honestly could see him wanting to rule Mandalore. Huh. Yeah. That'd which, be interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I would be all for um, a rivalry between Bo-Katan and, Dinjarin, I'd be all for that. Yeah, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Um, I, I kind of wonder what they do with Gideon. We kind of talked about this a little bit already, but like, just you know, obviously they're she wants him alive for a reason. He's got a lot of information. Uh, I think the information he has is valuable to Ahsoka as well. So I don't know if maybe we see Gideon come and kind of creep into the Ahsoka series for a little bit. Um, I, I think I think we've. I don't know. I could be wrong on this, but I feel like we might have 
already seen the most that we're going to get out of Gideon, like as far as screen time. Um, yeah. I, I feel like we, we needed a big bad to, to be the guy, the bad guy to, to defeat, to get Grogu where we needed him to go. And I think we've, we've achieved that. And I think he's kind of served his purpose. And I, I, I wonder if we see him for maybe just like an episode or two, kind of like how we've seen grief Karga. Like, you know, he was almost non-existent in this season. We got one episode with him. Uh, I almost wonder if that's maybe uh, Gideon as well, which is fine by me. I, I think I want to, I'm ready to move on uh, to the next stage, whatever that means. But um, I mean, Luke is almost certainly taking Grogu to what we learned about in seven, eight, nine is like in flashbacks and, and, you know, past speak and stuff is basically like, Luke is training up like the next generation of Jedi. And of course that's when Ben Solo turns into Kylo Ren mm-hmm. and goes crazy. And so like, you know, I saw like a lot of memes online already about like, you know, Grogu's going to die. Like, you know, when Ben Solo goes, goes nutso uh, and starts killing Jedi and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, you know, I, will we see any of that on screen? I would say probably not, but um, it's, yeah. it's kind of interesting to think about that he's taking Grogu to that place that, you know, it's basically another, <laughs> another purging like, like Grogu has already seen in, in his lifetime. So, um, but yeah, I, I would say, and that's probably like the biggest shocker for me from this episode. Like last week, I predicted that Moff Gideon was going to die. And I definitely feel like he has served his purpose. So I'm, I mean, I'd say the biggest shocker for me was that Moff Gideon did not die in this episode. Yeah. There's, there's one phrase and I, I don't know if Jake, maybe you have some thoughts on this, but they, they didn't throw the, throw out this phrase for nothing. You've seen it twice now. Um, and I, I think it's important and I think it's something they need to rectify in some way, but it's, it's in that scene where, Mando is facing him one-on-one in the right before they fight. And he says, I already got what I wanted out of, out of the child, the kid or whatever he calls him. Um, I have his blood. And so like, you know, what happens with that? Do they, did they get the blood because they got the ship or did they already ship it off to somewhere else? Some other facility that we don't know about. Um, Is do we get payoff on that? Like in season three, you know, maybe he goes to Mandalore, maybe he's, he helps Bo-Katan or like, or like Grant said, like actually takes, takes control of Mandalore, um, but then has to be pulled away because he realizes that they've taken Grogu's blood and done something really nefarious with it. Like, do we see a payoff of that phrase in season three? So uh, a couple thoughts, and I, I don't even know if they're going to really jive with each other here, but um, I, you know, I'm not sure if they're going to take the blood thing any further because in star wars fandom midichlorians aren't that uh popular (laughs) uh neither is uh snoke and the sequel trilogy which is what it would seem that they need the blood for because uh you know the scientist was a cloning expert and it's all kind of leading toward either the creation of snoke or the resurrection of palpatine uh and i don't I, I think it's fine, and I think most people accept and are fine with kind of like alluding to that and putting the pieces of the puzzle together in their own mind. But I'm not sure that Disney is going to make that choice, or Dave Filoni is going to make the choice to go out of his way to give us the detailed answers to those questions for that reason, because 
it is a touchy subject and a divisive subject with Star Wars fans. And I think so far they have handled it really well by almost just making it, uh, you know, there's a lot of comparisons between the empire and like Nazism and stuff, especially that's kind of how George Lucas's original thoughts and, you know, some of the uh, Nazi experiments and the occult stuff that, you know, and so this is kind of in that same vein where it's like, okay, they're trying to do some, uh, they're trying to mess with science in a way that it shouldn't be messed with. And, you know, I could see them just kind of leaving it where it was and letting the fans put it together. I am not convinced that Moff Gideon is done because in this episode, A, they, you know, they could have killed him, you know, even if he would have tried to make a last ditch effort to shoot somebody in the back and, you know, they had no choice but to kill him. And he even tried to kill himself and they stopped him. Okay, so they put that in there, too. Uh, he, in the end of season one, uh, you know, kind of did the digging in the wound thing about, uh, Mandalore and Mandalore being destroyed. And so, uh, you know, if they do move in that direction where it becomes about the fate of Mandalore, uh, and, uh, Din Djarin trying to maybe become the, you know, the ruler of Mandalore and Bo-Katan and that whole deal, uh, cause now if got, if Moff Gideon escapes, like he's going to be ticked off at them. Like he's not going to just let that go and move on to the next, you know, Imperial project. Like he's, you know, going to remember that, you know, Din Djarin. So I could see season three, uh, somehow Moff Gideon, you know, escapes and whatever. Uh, and now that whoever's rebuilding Mandalore or however that's going, and the climax of that being more Imperial remnants led by Moff Gideon trying to wipe out what remains of uh, Mandalorians and Mandalorian culture. You know, I don't know, but that that's just, that's just one angle it could go. So that that's my thoughts on those two aspects. Yeah, no, that's really good. Um, do you guys have any other lingering thoughts, something we didn't cover uh, yet on the episode? There's obviously a ton to talk about. So anything that we didn't already go over? I'm no. good. Yeah, no, I mean it was just uh it, it was it was really awesome. The only thing that was just really unsatisfying for me was uh just the dark saber stuff and how inconsistent and confusing that was. And I even yeah. remember uh when I was watching it with Chelsea, she's like, Well, how come the Mandalorian doesn't know about this rule? Like, you know, he's all into like, this is the way and this is what Mandalorians do and da 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 da. And like, he's never even heard of the Darksaber and like, didn't know what it was or how it was significant or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a really good question that I do not have an answer for. <laughs> you know? it's, be- it's because the Mandalorian is like Harry Potter, where <laughs> Harry Potter knew nothing about the Elder Wand and then he ends up possessing the Elder Wand. Just like Din Djarin knew nothing about the Darksaber, but now he possesses it. That's great, Grant. And no one mixes a metaphor like you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I did think that was a little weird too. I, I'm so proud of Chelsea for thinking of, of stuff like that. Um, you, have, you have a great wife. <laughs> yeah, she, <laughs> well, she, does, she asked these questions that like, even as a Star Wars fan, you know, and like, I'm really into the lore and, you know, I'm probably like a, you know, 7.5 or eight on the scale of like knowing things of star Wars somewhere around there, maybe. Uh, and she'll ask things and she'll be like, well, why is this? Or how is this connected? And I'll go to try to explain it. And I'll be like, 
actually um uh, <laughs> not sure or it or it really points out you know trying to explain the clone army and be like well one time there was this guy named sifo ds who's never actually on screen and we really don't know this this and this but apparently somebody probably dooku sent it to like trying to explain some of the star wars questions gets it, yeah. it, i start to tie myself in knots and I'm like, man, this really like some of this stuff has a really high bar for entry to people who are casual fans. Cause good grief, you know? Yeah. There's a lot to keep straight. And that that's what, what makes me so impressed with like a Filoni type of guy that just like has like the entire like lexicon of star Wars in his brain, like at all times and knows how to keep everything, you know, straight, but I, they'll they'll address the the dark saber transfer thing at some point. It, it'll be in a, a future season. I'm, I'm sure they'll they'll talk about it and kind of iron it out. But yeah, it is interesting that like Din Djarin kind of prides himself on being like a true Mandalorian, like yeah you know, from, the, from the old ways, and yet has never heard of the dark saber apparently. That so. and I can't uh, I can't wait for the behind the scenes stuff uh, for this episode specifically. Uh, because I want, I like, I want to hear Mark Hamill's thoughts. I want, like, yeah. I want, you know, or, or maybe he goes on Jimmy Fallon or something like that. But like, I <laughs> really, really want to hear from Mark Hamill because like he was super vocal about what he thought uh, were mistakes made in the last Jedi with his character. Yeah. And so it was just amazing. You know, Chelsea was like, wow, they really got Mark Hamill to come on the TV show. And I was like, you know what? He probably was like, absolutely. Yes. This is what you're going to do with my character. Like, this is what should have been done in the first place. I'm in, I'll be there. Like I will be there 30 <laughs> minutes early. Like, let's do this. You know? Yeah. This is vindication for him. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I thought they, they got his audio really good. Like it, it sounded just like I like I was listening to it. And I was like, are these like recorded lines from 1983 that they're just like playing in this episode? But then I was like, no, I mean, the, he's saying some pretty specific stuff about what's happening in this room. So um, I, I was like, yeah, they, they just did, you know, obviously they're masterminds at, at audio and video. But like it was just it was so cool to see. Um, you know, I don't know if it's ILM or who's doing this, but like, it sounded just like the audio from, from uh, 1983. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Um, cool. Well, uh, what a season. I, I, I mean, I, I think maybe th there might be a few people out there that prefer season one over season two, but I don't know who those people are. I, I, uh, season two, in my opinion, was just, I don't, I don't see how they could ramp, ramp it up where season three top season two. I, uh, you know, maybe they'll find a way, but holy crap, did they just completely just come, just climb over the top of season one, in my opinion. Um, this is a, a roller coaster of an eight week uh, series to be a Star Wars fan, uh, for sure. So, uh, and of course, you know, all the stuff that's coming is just, it's an embarrassment of riches. So um, I'm, I'm really pumped. Um, Jake, you have been phenomenal to come on the show three times uh, <laughs> over those eight weeks. And it's been awesome to have you and your Star Wars knowledge. You have Star Wars knowledge that I don't have for sure. So um, it's been really great to have you uh, come back all these, all these times. And, you know, we don't have to only have you on for Star Wars. You're, <laughs> you're welcome to come back anytime you want. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a, there's definitely a handful of uh, Disney movies and shows that, uh, that tickle my fancy. So maybe we can <laughs> pick one sometime soon and, and do it. Yeah. You just, you just let us know. Um, Grant and I would love having you on. So um, you just let us know when you want to do that and we'll, we'll, we'll make it happen. Uh, if you want to hear more of Jake though, you can listen to the PB and J podcast. Um, that's 
uh, no lie. I'm not selling, you know, bill of goods. It's one of my favorite podcasts. I listen to it every time they do an episode. Um, they just published an episode this week about the top 10 political events of 2020. I thought that was a great episode, just kind of wrapping up the year. And, um, there were a couple things that they mentioned in that episode that I'd forgotten even happened in 2020. I was like, that was this year. No way. Um, so it's, uh, always an enjoyable listen, uh, the show that Jake does with, with Brian, but, um, uh, tell people if they're interested in, in hearing you talk about politics, where they can find your podcast. Yeah, uh, anywhere that you can find podcasts, you can find PB&J Politics with Brian and Jake. Uh, the show has a mission of civil political discourse, which is much needed in this day and age. Brian and I uh, don't agree on uh, a lot of issues, and so we work throughout the each episode to find common ground and to understand where each other is coming from while also informing our listeners. <laughs> I, I've said this be before when we've had Jake on, but one of my favorite things about the show is that um, it is uh, right leaning versus left leaning. So like Jake just said, they don't always agree and they have di very different opinions on, on certain topics. They also agree on other things as well. Uh, and, but it's all civil discourse. Like you said, it's not like the, you listen to these shows or watch these shows on, on television or, you know, on radio or whatever. And it's just people just yelling at each other for half an hour. That's not even close to what these guys are doing. It's, it's very respectful. It's very, um, you know, Hey, you know, yes, I agree. You're right. No, I respectfully disagree with that. And this is why. And it's, it's very factual. Like I love how you guys like stick to the facts and like say, okay, well, this is what this guy actually said, or that's what this, you know, this is what actually happens when you do this kind of thing. And, uh, and not somewhat, it's not so much, a you know, opinion driven as it is like, I mean, you're sharing your opinions, but it's based on facts. So I, I think that's really cool. So definitely give well, thanks, it a listen. Man. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate the plug. Yeah, absolutely. So um, cool. Well, we are almost done with 2020 ourselves. We are, um, let's see, I think this will probably next week's episode, I think will probably be the last one that airs in 2020. And uh, that is because on Christmas day, Disney plus is dropping a new Pixar movie. Who, who would have thought that that would happen in 2020 um, straight to uh, straight to Disney plus. And so we got onward earlier this year, but it was in, in theaters for a little bit before they brought it straight to Disney plus about a month later. Uh, but this time it's just day and date. It's just like straight to Disney plus. So uh, soul is coming out on, on Christmas day. And that is what we're going to be talking about next week. Uh, Grant and I are going to, uh, be watching that movie and talking about the newest uh, Pixar. I'm, I'm pretty pumped about it. And uh, Jordan saw the, so like if, when you log into Disney plus, they already have like a, a button for it, but you can't mm -hmm. obviously watch it yet. It just says yeah. like coming on December 25th. And so she saw that and she's like, daddy, I want to watch that. Cause she's been watching the trailers and collected a couple mm -hmm. of the McDonald's figures and stuff like that. And she's like, I want to watch that now. We're like, well, that's just a, a advertisement. It's it's actually you can't watch it right it's now. It's gonna be your Christmas present. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so we will uh, we will definitely be watching it with her on on Christmas Day, and um, uh, hopefully it's appropriate for her age. I'm I'm hoping it will be. She's I think she's watched just, just about everything else Pixar, so shouldn't be too bad. But um, so yeah, that is what next week's episode is going to be all about. Uh, there's no more Mandalorian, so we're moving on to some other things. We we've got several things to kind of tide us over before we get into uh, Marvel stuff. So WandaVision's coming out 
uh, January 15th. And we'll, I'm sure we'll be talking about those episodes as well. I uh, haven't quite decided how we're going to do that, like a week to week or every other week thing, or we'll figure it out once we get closer to that. But uh, it's Pixar for next week and then we'll, we'll figure it out from there. So uh, thanks again, Jake. And thanks again, Grant, for joining us. Jake, you can be a frequent guest on WandaVision. <laughs> since you Jake, love Jake Marvel a, so much yeah I was going to say Jake hasn't seen an MCU movie <laughs> since like 2012 or whatever it is <laughs> yeah before that yeah but uh, yeah we obviously we'll, we'll have you back on for something so just let us know I'm down uh, let us know what you want to hear about on the podcast or send us your own review on something you've watched on Disney Plus we'd love to include you in the show Disney Plus reviews at hotmail.com that's P-L-U-S all spelled out Disney Plus reviews at hotmail.com is how you do that Uh, We will see you next week for the last episode of the year, and that is going to be Soul. We'll talk to you then.